is going on, New York Giant fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Hit the like button. Subscribe if you haven't already. Comment. Share out. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or your drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. I'm just going to put this disclaimer out right now. For some of you who have been following this channel, I am currently under the weather. I got a bit of a sinus infection, so if I'm a bit drowsy, if my nose sounds stuffy, that's because it is, and I'm working to get this out for you guys because, you know, I love doing this for you guys, and, well, someone's got to talk about a Giants win on this channel in a podcast format, but the New York Giants, for the first time, I think it's been a month. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure it's been a month since the last New York Giants win, which I believe September 18th, 18th or 19th was the last win for the New York Giants, and... That was against the Arizona Cardinals. This one came against the Washington Commanders, our divisional rival. Um, you know, and this is a this is an interesting win. It's a win, obviously now two and five. And if the Giants can do the job the rest of the way through their schedule, they could actually possibly be a playoff team. Will I entertain it? No, because they have to beat the Jets first, which that preview will come on Saturday. I'm hoping to. As long as everything goes in order, uh, Matt O'Leary is actually going to come on and we're going to talk about the Giant-Jet game. And, uh, you know, it should be fun. It should be a fun week. I'll be at the Giant-Jet game this weekend uh, as a part of the media. So if you guys got questions uh, for me to ask Brian Dable or any of the other stuff, we're going to try to get that in for you guys. But anyway, we got to talk about this game first. The defense has risen to standard. The offense, well, I mean... They had the syndrome of tale of two halves. That's pretty much that. They had the tale of two halves syndrome. And we'll get into it, of course. We got to get into the stat breakdown first. So anyway, Sam Howell, 22, 42, 249 yards and interception. Terod Taylor, 18 to 29, 279 yards, two touchdowns. And rushing game, it really didn't work for both sides. Chris Rodriguez Jr., 7 carries, 31 yards. A little shocked that Brian Robinson didn't get it more. He was the lead carrier in terms of repetition. 8 carries, 23 yards. And Sam Howell also rushed 2 times for 15 yards. And Antonio Gibson also got 2 carries for 7 yards. And for the Giants, Saquon Barkley was the lead bell cow at 21 carries, 77 yards. Terod Taylor at 8 carries, 25 yards. And 3 Carries four yards from Aprita. The leading receivers for each side. And Terry McLaurin at six receptions for 90 yards, nine targets. Logan Thomas, four catches, 51 yards, four, five catches, 43 yards for Jahan Dotson. Curtis Samuel, four catches, 25 yards. Also as well, Darren Waller was the only giant receiver with a touchdown. He had 98 yards on seven receptions. Jalen Hyatt, he's coming in. And he's playing a big role in terms of the long developing plays downfield. Two catches, 75 yards. Saquon Barkley, three catches, 41 yards. And a tutty. And also Slayton and Robinson got a reception each for 22 yards. Isaiah Hodgins also had two catches for 13 yards. Talking about fumbles, Jamison Crowder fumbled once, but it was recovered by Diami Brown. Um, if we're talking about Giants fumbles, Eric Gray fumbled one, recovered by Nick McLeod. Sterling Shepard fumble one. It was recovered by the 
Commandos. It might have been Diami Brown actually that recovered that one because he may have been on special teams. But anyway, um, Eric Gray fumbled once, recovered by McLeod. Saquon fumbled once, lost it. It was recovered by Deron Payne. Take a look at the defensive side of the ball. Four sacks for Washington. The lead tackler was David Mayo, the former Giant. One sack, a quarterback hit, and two tackles for a loss for Montez Sweat. Two sacks, two quarterback hits, three tackles for a loss. That's Chase Young. And one tackle for a loss, one quarterback hit, one sack, Kaliki Hudson. And then four quarterback hits, Hudson, Young, and Montez Sweat. Also, the Giants' sides, lead tackler was Bobby Okereke. Had one pass deflection, 11 tackles. Jason Pinnock had a quarterback hit, a tackle for a loss, a sack. Dexter Lawrence had two tackles, actually one tackle for a loss, two sacks, and four quarterback hits. Michael McFadden had two quarterback hits and a half a sack. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau had one and a half sacks, a tackle for a loss, two quarterback hits. Also, going down the list even further, Leonard Williams, two quarterback hits, a tackle for a loss, and a sack. The Giants totaled six sacks. And 12 quarterback hits. Also, Jihad Ward got in on the quarterback hit party. And I think I pretty much covered it from there from guys that got sacks and whatnot. And four quarterback hits, four sacks for Washington. Now you look at team stats. First downs, Giants 16, 14 for Washington. 10 passing first downs for the Giants, 9 for Washington. The Giants had five rushing first downs. Washington had three. The Giants only had one first down from a penalty. The Washington Commanders had two. The Giants were 5 for 16 on third down, which isn't good. But if you're looking at a brighter side of things, the defense, 1 for 15 on third down against this Washington offense. That is immaculate in itself. 2 for 3, that was Washington in the red zone. Excuse me, 2 for 3 on fourth down. The Giants didn't attempt any fourth down conversions. Uh, Washington had 67 plays, Giants had 65, the Giants had 356 yards, 273 for Washington. 14 total drives for each squad, 5.5 yards per play to 4.1. The Giants had 5.5, 4.1 for the Washington Commandos. The Giants were 1 for 2 in the red zone, and the Commandos were 1 for 3. Washington had 10 penalties for 75 yards, and... The Giants had four penalties for 40 yards, so it's worthy of noting. The Giants had two turnovers, two fumbles lost, and Washington had the interception thrown. Washington led the pack in time of possession with 31-14, and the Giants had 28-46. So, where should I go with this? Should I go with the exciting defense, or should I go with the tale of two have offense? Let's keep it a buck, and let's keep it on schedule. We're going to start with the offense first. I know everyone's going to be booing me in the comments section because guess what? I'm not going uh, I'm not going usual. Oh, we got to go with the defense first because they were more exciting. But anyway, let's get right into it. So Tyron Taylor moved the ball well at the helm, being the quarterback for the New York Giants. And this is really the second straight week he's done that. And knowing that this offense is missing some pieces on the offensive line, their quarterback, you know, Tyrod did a good job. He did a good job, and there were some plays in the second half that you, you would like to have back on certain things, but I don't really think some of those were Tyrod's fault. I really don't. He didn't really make any bad throws, from what I know, except that one downfield that was intended for Hyatt, but Hyatt ended up breaking it up. So if the Giants ever need a punter, I mean, Tyrod Taylor can do that. 
<laughs> and uh, Jalen Hyatt, he can play corner. So, you know, if the Giants are short on corner and Jamie Gillen's hurt, you know, the Giants have backups. The Giants have versatility and they have depth, I guess, at that. But um, I thought, again, Tyrod moved the wall, the ball well when he was at the helm. He was making the simple throws. He was taking risks. And that's really something we've talked about within the last two weeks is Tyrod Taylor is taking risks. He's throwing the ball deep to Hyatt, trying to get it to his best guys. He's getting it to Waller much more than Daniel Jones did. Uh, Slayton got a few catches, actually got a few targets in there. So, I mean, he's operating this offense really well. Now, of course, he's not the most talented quarterback in the NFL. He's not given the most, I would say, pleasurable situation. And he's not, you know, he's a game manager. He, That's what he is. He's a backup quarterback. He's not going to throw for 300 yards. He's not a Joe Burrow type. He's not a Trevor Lawrence type. But Tyrod moves the ball well, which, in essence, does create the quote-unquote quarterback controversy. Now, of course, my opinion, I don't think that there's a controversy within the Giants organization. Maybe inside the locker room, if you want to paint some fan fiction. But I think for media talking points, especially on Sports Talk Radio, and if you're a fan on Twitter, that is a talking point. You know, is, is Tyrod a better quarterback than Daniel Jones? What's the story with that and all that sort of stuff? And we'll definitely get into all of that once we're done the offensive side of the ball. Maybe even the outlook portion because, of course, we face the Jets and DJ may or may not be back. So, explosive plays, taking risks. The Giants had five plays in the first half over 20 yards to five different players. Darren Waller was one. I believe Slayton was another. Wandale, Hyatt, and Saquon Barkley. So that's really your starting offense right now. Maybe you factor in another receiver, but Wandale, Hyatt, yeah, that's pretty much your starting offense. Your three wide receivers, your tight end, and a running back. So there's that. Uh, as I said, Waller got more involved. Jalen Hyatt got more involved. And, you know, I don't know if Hyatt's going to be this consistent, at least this year. Maybe next year it's a different story or 2025. I don't know if Hyatt's going to be this consistent receiver. Oh, my God, he's going to get like five catches a game, six catches a game. I think he's going to be that stretch-the-field type guy that gets two, three catches a game, and they're just big chunk plays. And I think that's what the Giants have been missing on offense, you know, apart from a few other things. Because you saw in Arizona, right? He had that big play downfield twice. I mean, the great leaping catch and some of these other things. Use this kid more. That's really what we've been clamoring for. You know, Mike Kafka, Brian Dable, use this kid more. And we're also been... You know, we've been begging for the quarterback to take risks, throw the ball downfield, throw a good ball. And Jalen Hyatt separated himself really well on two nice plays down the right sideline. So there's that. I mean, Waller getting involved, that's great. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, I never really, you know, I could be wrong on this. You guys can say, hey, listen, you said this at this time. I never really thought Darren Waller was washed. I, I, I didn't. I mean, maybe he had one or two bad drops, but I just feel as though, you know, he wasn't getting targeted enough, whether it was the offensive line or DJ just not, you know, putting the ball in his direction. I just feel that he wasn't getting targeted enough. And I'm like, just wait for him to, you know, be on the field. And is he the Darren Waller that he was in Vegas? I'm going to say no, but he's still a valuable option to where he's a mismatch against linebackers and safeties, right? You know, he's a converted wide receiver. He's a taller guy. He still moves the chains for this offense. So there's that. As far as the running game goes, 
I'm a little frustrated. I'm going to be honest with you. The Giants ran 15 zone runs, by the way, with Saquon Barkley. And he did have two carries for 21 yards on a certain drive. But I'm a little frustrated just in general about the running game because the Giants haven't been getting it going. And to be honest with you, that's really all year. And I think it's the way the Giants are put in a position because they don't have a good offensive line. Maybe it's a quarterback type thing. You know, guys stack. I don't think it's a stacking the box issue. I just feel that the Giants, in one way, they are using Saquon Barkley not in a great way. Because I don't. Th- if you want my opinion, guys, and I know you know you you might criticize me for size of opinion. Saquon Barkley shouldn't be getting twenty one carries a game, and I get it. Yes, he's the number one, number two back on this, number one back on this team, former second overall pick. But like, I I mean, he's coming off of an injury. He didn't look the best last week against Buffalo. I mean, I would try to throw Matt Breida in there because at least you know he could get a large carry. You know, he's got speed like I'm not saying Saquon Barkley doesn't have speed but he's got like a thinner type of speed and then maybe you factor in a I don't know an Eric Gray or a Gary Brightwell now one of them is injured it's gonna go on IR but I mean it's just I don't like the grounded pound strategy I get it you're trying to enforce the running game I don't like the grounded pound strategy with Saquon because Saquon's coming off an injury this is kind of the part of the year where he usually fades out and, you know, doesn't really do well in the running game. And also, it's up front, too. I mean, the Giants have not complied, not not played with a consistent five. And I think that's a problem. Now, of course, when AT comes back, JMS, Evan Neal, you figure out who your five is going to be, and then you move on unless injuries happen. But I really don't like the Giants just, yeah, let's, let's ground and pound with Saquon. Because, again, I just don't think that's the type of back he is. We saw it last year when they did it against the Texans. They weren't efficient. Yeah, he got, what, two touchdowns, but he wasn't efficient. I think he had somewhere over 100 yards, but he had like 20, almost 30 carries. That's not efficient. Efficient is like four, 4.3 yards per carry. Saquon Barkley, 3.7 yards per carry. That's not going to get it done. And I'll quickly move to the O-line. As far as the O-line giving up four sacks, I say this. I don't think it's bad because the quarterback is not, you know, I would say, I can't say overreacting to the offensive line play, but he's not making it out to be, oh my God, this offensive line is terrible. Now, I will say here that Tyrod Taylor's pocket presence seemed a little bit more disciplined than Daniel Jones within the first few weeks. But, I mean, yeah, the offensive line has to get better. Tyrod Taylor was sacked four times. Uh, Justin Pugh allowed two of them. One of the sacks was when... Tyrod Taylor was doing RPO and he held on the ball too long, but also Sterling Shepard fell on his route. We'll talk about Sterling Shepard in the special teams portion of the show, which we'll dedicate a little time to. And, you know, he got sacked from another side. Tyree Phillips gave up that sack and then two sacks allowed by Justin Pugh. Um, You know, obviously I'm not going to say that Justin Pugh is a game changer, but also I think he's a better guard than he's a tackle. I still feel that way about Tyree Phillips. So maybe, you do some things over the next few weeks. Maybe when you get Thomas back, you shift Pew to right tackle. So at least it's noticeable when he's, you know, on the right side, that he's getting pressured or something like that. Because again, Pew was significantly better at guard against the Bills. Unfortunately, Zudu went down with an injury. But Pew has been better. It's not like every single play, it's a disaster on the left side. So I have to give credit to Mr. Straight Off the Couch. 
And you know what? I'll say one thing too. I have to give super, 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 super creds to the interior, probably except Marcus McKeithen. And the two guys I'm looking at is Ben Bredesen and Mark Lewinsky. Lewinsky, I complained about. I wanted him benched. He got benched, and then he came back on the field when injuries happened. So what am I saying about you know those two guys? Is you look at Deron Payne, you look at Jonathan Allen, and Casey Tuhill. Those guys are expected to come up front and scare the shit out of you, make you shit your pants, false starts, all that sort of stuff, right? And that's what I was looking at during this game. Like, you know, Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen, those guys did not get to the quarterback at all. Now, maybe quarterback pressures is a different stat you could, like, go to. But as far as quarterback hits and sacks, they didn't get there. They did not get there. And these are not bums. These are guys that are at the top of their position in the NFL. And Ben Bredesen and Mark Lewinsky held up. Now, why am I not crediting Marcus McKeithen? Because he still has this consistent issue of not getting his hands on a guy. Like, he'll get one hand on him, and then the other guy just swims by. So, Jonathan Allen, overall, and Deron Payne, they did not get to the quarterback. They really didn't. It was the two outside guys. Um, Chase Young, obviously, is the notable one. And Mondes Sweat, too. So, credits to, you know, Ben Brennison and Glowinski. Maybe there's some spots on the line for these guys when the injured ones come back. So before we get into anything else, I do want to talk about our sponsor, that's SeatGeek. So if you guys are going out to a ball game, if you're going to a concert, if you're going to anything that SeatGeek offers, and also parking passes, if you're going to a game and you need parking passes, fees are a pain in the ass, and parking in in general is expensive. Take $20 off and put in the promo code BigBlueInTheBronx for a $20 discount on your order on SeatGeek. So, let's talk about this defense. There was one time ago, a few weeks ago, that I criticized Xavier McKinney. And he said, what we're not going to do is blame the defense. And that was against Miami, where I kind of flipped out on him. I said, dude, you're not a leader. That's number one. Number two, the defense gave up over 500 yards to a very good Miami offense. Either way, you shouldn't be giving up 500 yards because that's historically bad. Um, and I was pretty pissed. Then last week, I came in and said, hey, listen, this team played really well against Buffalo. They really did. Deontay Banks showing out a little bit. Bobby O'Karake with some moves. Micah McFadden with his first career pick. And they played well. Listen, you know, giving up two touchdowns to Buffalo is not the worst thing in the world. It really isn't. Um, and then this week, obviously, we had it on the bulletin that this offensive line wasn't good. Nick Gates, as much as we liked him in a Giants uniform, he was not starting out well the first six games in Washington. Well, that actually, you know, leaked into this game, and he didn't do well. Some of the other guys in there, too, they didn't do well. Hence the Giants getting six sacks. Hence the Giants having 28 pressures. Now, to be honest with you, did the Giants actually get 28 pressures? I feel like the guy I'm getting it from, and I have to credit them because I don't want to discredit anybody, the Giants Insider Podcast, which is Jerry Foley and Chris Bizignano, are they getting it from PFF? Because PFF sometimes really goes out there and just like, you know, they'll they'll overemphasize pressures or they'll mark them wrong. Like if a guy maybe gets in the backfield or they'll overreact to actually what a pressure is. It depends on how you measure it. But the Giants, quote unquote, had 28 pressures against this Washington team. And Sam Howell's pocket presence wasn't good. And the Giants constantly 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 made him uncomfortable and we have to start 
at least at the top where it is, before we go individual players, that's Wink Martindale. A lot of folks, not me, a lot of folks criticized him. A lot of folks criticized him, saying we need Wink on this and the other thing. I stayed on the board. I said, look, it's player execution. It comes down to player execution. These guys aren't executing. Tackling, it's not always Wink's fault. But then you come into this game, and it's not like, you know, they were the first best offense in the league. It's not like they were the 30th best offense in the league. They were middle of the pack. Sam Howell has his good games. He has his bad games. This is one of his bad games. It's kind of what I talked about in the preview with Corey. You know, he's a Jekyll and Hyde quarterback. And, you know, 28 pressures, Wink blitzed 25 times and created five sacks and one interception. They had him in hell. He was in absolute hell. He could not get out of there. He was in jail. And you have to credit all the guys on the front. Really, I would say three, four, maybe even five. You have to go with Kayvon because he was in there. Was he winning every battle against Charles Leno and Andrew Wiley? No, he wasn't. But you know what? He was there when the interior was pushing and he gets around for the sack. I think one of the guys... That I said, and I've been saying this for weeks, he got there two times. That was Dexter Lawrence. I said it in the preview. I said it last week. I said, this guy needs to eventually get a sack or two on the board because it's great, right? You know, he's getting the pressures, he's getting the quarterback hits and all this stuff, but he needs to get to the quarterback when he has the ball in his hands. He needs to get a sack. And guess what? He got two. So we know what Dex can do. And this game showed it. I have to give credits. To another guy who was a little bit more silent than Kayvon, a little bit more silent than Dex, I have to give credit to Leo Williams. Blew up Sadiq Charles a couple times. There was a time where they had three guys on Dex. It was Sadiq Charles, Nick Gates, and Sam Cosme. Leo wraps around and gets the sack. And Howell could have threw it away, but Leonard Williams, you know, he's he's got that little speed in him to where he's just running after you and he gets the sack. He kind of actually did that against... Who was it? It wasn't Smith. I think it was Heineke. Whoever started for Washington in 2020, because he had a very similar sack. I'm not remembering right now. I'm just... 2020. Heineke. Wasn't Smith. I'm forgetting. Like, my memory's that bad right now. But nonetheless, he was there. Micah McFadden, Bobby O'Karake. Now, McFadden did have a missed tackle, but nonetheless... The defense found its footing when these two guys got in sync. When these two guys put their heads out of their ass and put their feet on the field. Now, of course, not every run rep was great. But the fact that the Giants didn't allow, you know, a several amount of yards or 100 yards on the ground. It made Washington think twice and. Part of my questioning is like, you know, maybe Washington could have ran it a little bit more with Chris Rodriguez and Brian Robinson, but maybe in Eric Bieniemy's mind, who is more of a passing type coordinator, hey, Bobby O'Karake and Micah McFadden are, are doing really well, so I, I wouldn't want to test them again. And, you know, there were times I was a little bit worried, not, you know, myself, saying, hey, uh, Rakeem Nunez-Roches, Ashawn Robinson, DJ Davidson coming in. The Giants can get blown up on a run. Like, I was that scared. I still have that fear in me. It's kind of like PTSD from last year, despite that we do have better depth of the position. But Simmons is also creating some pressure, you know, third down. I, I honestly think maybe at that point, based off what I saw the last two weeks, and also going back to Miami, 
I think Simmons might be better as a third down guy. And look, obviously you got him for a seven. I mean, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I get it. I might be moving the goalpost a bit, but if he's good on third, he's good on third. Micah and Bobby Okereke credits to them because a lot of people coming into training camp, including myself, were saying, you know, it's very much possible that Darian Beavers takes the role next to Okereke. And a lot of people, I'd say about 80% of people were on that train. The 20% said, Micah McFadden has something. And I have to throw a quick shout out to KB, Kid Blue. He's been on the McFadden train since day one. And McFadden, he's doing his job. Interception last week, multiple tackles, a half a sack. He's a guy that's going to be, you know, a very good role player for the Giants. And Okereke, he plays fast. He plays aggressive. He's one of the reasons that the defense, in my opinion, has found its footing. And also, before I get to some other guys, I'm an offensive guy, right? I prefer to watch offense. You know, maybe it's the new mentality in me or the new age mentality. All, you know, all the young kids, all the young folk like to watch offense in 30-point games. Maybe it's me like that. Maybe it's me just being offensive analytical. But when I was watching this game, you know, after the first three drives, I'm like, I don't really want to see the offense on the field. I want to see the defense play. I want to see them get more sacks. I was literally tweeting out on Twitter. They just sacked Sam Howell again. I want more. I mean, that's how good the defense was playing. That's how rejuvenated Giant fans were because of the way this defense was playing. I mean, they got me excited. They got me real excited. I want to give creds to this guy. I want to give creds to Deontay Banks. Now I get it. Terry McLaurin had a lot of yards in the fourth quarter. That big play downfield and also Xavier McKinnon getting called for a bullshit penalty, in my opinion, because he was slowing up on the plan. I guess they thought it was near targeting or helmet-to-helmet contact or something like that. I don't agree with it. Um, But Deontay Banks, fan, as you go week in, week out, mind you, and this is also a credit to Wink because they were playing without the number one in Dory Jackson. They were playing without their number one corner. And Wink said, eh, I'm not scared of McLaurin. I think Banks could hold up. Eh, I'm not scared of Jahan Dotson. I think Trey Hawkins could hold up. And I don't think Hawkins did that bad either. Like, I didn't. Maybe there was one play where, you know, he was, filled, he was fooled by a curl. But I don't think he played like tremendously. I don't think he played horribly. So maybe that's something to note going into the coming weeks. But if the Giants were to trade a Dory for, you know, whatever it is, right, you know, a pick, because the Giants need assets, I think you could go into the coming weeks and say, okay, we're going to try to prep Deontay Banks as his number one corner. Now he's known as a press man. And just the way he lurked, you know, Sam Howell into throwing that football, the way he tricked him, and he threw the interception, and Banks was like, ah, over, you know, make the basket catch. I mean, that's just the way Deontay Banks is playing. And the way he's just chatting it up with Terry McLaurin. Now, again, Terry McLaurin did have 90 yards. But, you know, he's he's got that dog mentality, man. And a lot of people called that, you know, week seven would be his first INT. And he's the first corner for the New York Giants to have an INT since Rodarius Williams last year. Funny enough, it's the same number because Rodarius had 25, Deontay Banks is 25. I technically have a 25 jersey, but it has AGP on the back of it, so there's that. But uh, nonetheless, man... You can feel more confident about Deontay Banks going into coming weeks because he's put up some very good numbers against number ones. 
You know, Stefan Diggs, he didn't get much of anything when he was up against uh, Deontay. Jalen Waddle, I think, had, what, 17 yards on him? So, I know a lot of people are saying, oh, Devon Witherspoon and Jalen Carter, but maybe you ought to put Deontay Banks in the race, depending on how he does against Garrett Wilson. And honestly, I, I might take Deontay Banks to win that mostly because I think the Giants' defense is, you know, instilling fear in a lot of different fronts. And I'm talking opposing fronts because there were multiple, multiple false start penalties by Washington because they wanted to get the extra step. If Wink blitzes and Zach Wilson is flustered, he throws it to Garrett Wilson, it might be off target. But then again, Deontay Banks might be prepared. He's like, you know, that's that's not going to happen. I'm not going to allow you to have so many catches on me. So that's going to be, obviously, once again, something to look for next week. Just tells you how excited I am for the next game. I mean, the Giants are 2-5. and five. But... Deontay Banks, man, he's played really, really well. And he never really, like, oh, my God. He didn't, he hasn't had any DeAndre Baker games where you know he's struggling. You know, the 49ers game, maybe a little bit. Um, I wouldn't say the Seattle game. Like, he's had his fair share of penalties, but, I mean, he looks good. He looks good, man. I mean, when the Giants really don't have luck drafting corners, I mean, you have to give credit where credit is due. And also, I thought this guy played really well. Nick McLeod. He had two pass breakups, one of them on Terry McLaurin. He's a guy that could play well in a pinch. And it tells you, also, I have to give credit to somebody else, that uh, Cordell Flott's played really well. He's a guy, you know, a lot of people say, no, he's not a slot. He's not a slot cornerback. And I kind of said that too, but he's played really well within the confines of this defense. And again, McLeod, they trust him over Darnay Holmes because he played the slot, he played the outside. Um, he's played well. So that just tells you that Jerome Henderson is really coaching these guys up in a matter of situation where a Dory is out or where a Dory is not out and they just get playing time on the field. So let's move on to the snap count and then final thoughts. Snap count for the offense. Bredesen, Taylor, Phillips, Pugh, McKeithen, Lewinsky all played 100%. Darius Slayton and Saquon Barkley at 84%. 82% for Darren Waller, 71% for Jalen Hyatt, 60% for Wondell Robinson, 53% for Danny Bellinger, 29% for Isaiah Hodgins, 16% for Matt Breida, 15% for Sterling Shepard, 6% for Paris Campbell. Defensive snap counts, let's go there. Jason Pinnock, Bobby O'Karake, and Xavier McKinney, 100%. One guy that missed one snap. Only one snap. That was Kayvon Thibodeau. Wow, this guy's emerged as an every down. Not that he wasn't an every down player, but I mean that's tremendous that they respect that his game that much. Say, hey, well, you got to be on the field almost every snap. Also, we don't have another edge, so that you know plays a part. Anyway, um, ninety-one percent Deontay Banks, eighty-six percent Trey Hawkins, seventy-eight percent Leonard Williams, seventy-five percent Dexter Lawrence, seventy-four percent Jihad Ward, along with Cordell Flott. 62% Michael McFadden, 38% for Ashawn Robinson and Isaiah Simmons, 26% for Raheem Nunez-Roches, 23% for Boogie Basham and Nick McLeod, 9% DJ Davidson, 4% Dane Belton. Kind of interested to see why Dane Belton's been so off the field. You know, are they not doing three safety sets? Are they just not confident that he's ready yet? Or is he just a role player? So I'm going to say this for final thoughts, right? I'm going to say this, folks. There is the sports talk, controversy, talking point of 
Is Daniel Jones better than Terod Taylor? Is Terod Taylor better than Daniel Jones? What is my answer on that? I don't think the Giants are going to move off Daniel Jones, at least this year, right? They're not going to say, yeah, uh, Daniel Jones is healthy, but when but we're going to go ahead and say Tyrod Taylor is the starter. I don't think that's going to happen. Now, maybe people have their fan fiction rights and their conspiracies, whether the locker room is behind Tyrod or whether their locker room is behind Daniel Jones. That's going to be something that I really don't comment on because I'm not here to make those theories. What I will say is this, the offense, and I get it, you could sit here and implement the excuse, you know, Justin Pugh was not a giant when Daniel Jones was, uh, you know, behind there. And yeah, you can make that point, but Justin Pugh is not Joe Thomas. Justin Pugh is not Andrew Whitworth. Justin Pugh is not Andrew Thomas. I mean, actually, it's funny because I, you know, I listed both Joe and Andrew and... You know, you, you guys will get what I'm saying. Anyway, Terod Taylor looks like he's been controlling the offense a little bit more. Now, is it drastic? No, because the Giants are still scoring, let's see, 23 points in the last two. That's 11 points per game. That's not going to get it done. Mostly carried by the defense the last two games, even though they lost against Buffalo. I think Tyrod Taylor's moving the ball better. I think his pocket awareness is better. Do I think DJ could do the same things that Tyrod is doing? Yes, but... In past games, he's shown us that sometimes he gets shell-shocked by the pressure coming, and he's not able to do that. That's the problem. That is the problem I have. And, you know, we could say this, that, and the other thing about all oh, the offensive line and all these other different things. But just for general talking point purposes, I wanted to bring this up. I believe that Tyrod Taylor moves the offense better. Now, if Daniel Jones is healthy and they go to him, I'm not going to be mad because that's where $40 million is invested. It's really like a tale of two things. Because if they put Tyrod in over DJ, oh, $40 million waste. Or it's they put DJ in over Tyrod, oh, Daniel Jones is not good and all this sort of stuff. So you're going to have people like that that have, you know, two separate opinions or whatnot. If the Giants opted to keep Tyrod the rest of the year, fine as the starter. If they wanted to keep Daniel Jones the rest of the year, he comes in healthy, fine. Um, but, of course... The objective is winning down the stretch. The Giants have the Jets this Sunday. We'll talk about that. Like, comment, subscribe to all the good stuff. Turn on post notifications so you know when the live stream pops your drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. Once again, apologies for the stuffy nose and the drowsiness and the blotches on my face. Again, trying to beat this fucking sinus infection. I'll be healthy in time for Sunday, though. Appreciate you guys. Share out Five Stars Apple Podcasts, and we'll talk to you soon. Peace out. Let's go. Big Blue. Bye.